This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair. It's such an honor to present this next award. And here are the nominees. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. I'm the king of the world. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. I'm Katie Rich, the deputy editor of VanityFair.com, and I'm here for our special Emmy Nominations Day conversation with our senior writer, Joanna Robinson. Hi, Katie. And joining us again, we have our TV critic, Sonia Soraya. Hi. And our Hollywood editor, Hilary Busis. Hello. So we're a few hours removed from the Emmy nominations. Uh, we've all taken some time to process it, figure out who we're mourning for, who we're excited about. Hillary, you have been kind of, uh, you know, assigning and editing all the stories about it. So for you, what's kind of the story of these Emmy nominations, if there's one big takeaway? Well, so the obvious big takeaway is Game of Thrones getting 32 nominations for season eight. It was a divisive season. They got a lot of flack throughout. There was the the coffee cup. There was the water bottle. Um, more importantly, <laughs> those are the only things that went wrong. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there was uh, there was a lot of conversation about the writing. Um, I think that wasn't there some story about how if you Google bad writers, the first thing that comes up now is <laughs> Benioff and Weiss, which is very mean, uh, by the way, there of was, the internet. There was Nicolette Costa-Waldo defending them and talking about the Game right. of Thrones. So generally speaking, the, the conversation, if you've been paying attention to the internet, uh, is like Game of Thrones season eight was bad. And then here come 32 nominations, the most nominations ever given to one season of television, um, which is pretty amazing. So... HBO must be feeling pretty good right now. Um, that's that's I guess the biggest story. The a bigger a big story as well um, that is kind of heartwarming is much smaller. But Schitt's Creek got a whole lot of Emmy love and mm-hmm. has never gotten nominated before. Um, it's a very adorable like heartwarming comedy, uh, and I think that a lot of people are very excited to see it getting its due. Joanna, you wrote a story about the Game of Thrones hall, kind of pointing out a lot of the same things that Hillary did, that like despite the online backlash, it, it did fine. Do you chalk this up to just the Emmys liking what they like and wanting to do the same thing over and over again? Or is there something that, that we all got wrong that the Emmys got right? No, I was I was personally like, even though I agreed with a lot of the criticism of the final season, I never doubted that they would get a huge Emmy nomination haul and probably huge Emmy nomination win. It just feels like the Television Academy has never been exactly on top of the same things that the fans or the critics have been on top of when they don't like a season. Like there was one year, I talk about this a lot, Peter Dinklage is enormously talented, but there was like one year where they gave him an Emmy for a season that Tyrion did like basically nothing and was barely in it. And they, it just sort of felt like they weren't paying attention. And they were like, oh, Game of Thrones, that's a big show. Oh, Peter Dinklage, he's a star, here you go. <laughs> you know, and so like, uh, I don't know, I, I, I didn't think it would hamper their ability to 
you get all these nominations. I was like extraordinarily pleasantly surprised by some of the numbers because, you know, last year they broke the record getting 22. This year, as Hillary said, they got 32. And those 10 extra, like a lot of those are acting nominations, which is really fun because like you've got first time nominee Sophie Turner. Great. First time nominee Alfie Allen. First time nominee Gwendolyn Christie. Chris Van Houten in the like guest category. Like there's just like room for all these things beyond the like core, you know, the Lannister siblings have been nominated year after year, you know, and that's great. But like, just to like give these other people, Alfie Allen is just like, I think that's my, that's my big story of the day. Alfie Allen getting an Emmy nomination. That one's like um, for Joanna specifically. It's for me. (laughs) So thanks to the television Academy. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah. It feels, it feels, it feels good. That nomination for me feels good. No, um, I, I, you know, and, and another thing to, to note is one of the, big criticisms the major episodes that are nominated are the long night and the iron throne both of which were heavily you know criticized the long night criticized because people literally couldn't see it <laughs> and um the iron throne is the finale criticized for you know a lot of different things i didn't check this i probably should have but joanna do you remember is the long night up for cinematography it or- did not get nominated for cinematography. That the cinematography award went to the Iron Throne. Okay, because um, that would it- have been an amazing bit of trolling. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it got nominated for editing, and like both the sound design awards went to the Iron Throne. Uh, directing, they had an FYC screening of the Long Night at Grauman's Chinese Theater, um, and all the settings were correct for it. And it was on the big screen. It was in the dark theater, and you didn't have to deal with the HBO compression rate, which like sort of muddied. The everything and everyone who saw it at that screening was like it was a masterpiece and like even you know Sonia mentioned this Nikolai Coaster Waldo was at was at this Game of Thrones convention this this weekend and he was like okay even I at home was like who is that is that me is that Gwendolyn Christie I can't see you know so like he was like yeah I at home was really upset by what I saw it was like a big piece of humble pie for us to like be like work really hard on this episode and go online and see all this backlash and yeah and then and then the academy decided to award what they saw which for many of them at that FYC screening was you know a masterpiece so I just think it's I think it's funny because like even the highlights of the season like things people agree on like the brand nighting scene in a night of seven kingdoms a night of the seven kingdoms the second episode of the season which a lot of people well or me at least think is the best was not nominated for anything oh. so like it's just like it's it got all these nominations and it got all these nominations for things that I'm like okay Weiss and Benioff are the only writers that got nominated for this final season okay that's not what i would have done but okay you know we'll see so (laughs) yeah and going back to um something that you just said joanna about peter dinklage and his parade of nominations especially the time that you know he won for one of his less active seasons um something that sonia said before we came here was that often it kind of seems like the emmy voters see like six shows (laughs) and they really like those six shows and so they're just like you know let's give a nomination to everybody in here Mm -hmm. um and I think that there are years where that's more true um, and years that where that's less true. But there's definitely it seems like there's definitely some evidence of that in here. This is the more year yeah. because, I mean, to speak to some of the other shows that were nominated, This Is Us, Mandy Moore gets her first nomination alongside Sterling K. Brown and Milo Ventimiglia, who the Academy love, like, for, for reasons that are, like, fine, maybe. There was a bunch of it's... banter before they announced the nominations about Sterling K. Brown. <laughs> Ken Jeong uh, from The Masked Singer, My Favorite Show, and Darcy Carden from Barry in the Good Place. Um, a, okay, their banter went on for, like, 
I want to say a hundred minutes. Forever. <laughs> it was excruciating. Um, but yeah, they, but they were filled joking. With all these, but then filled with all these self-referential jokes about how excruciating it is. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you can't do it's both. Like, you're not helping guys. <laughs> no, my takeaway from that was, I hope the Emmys don't have a host after all. <laughs> if this is what it's going to be, but and then so Fleabag, um, which got a ton of nominations, uh, none for the male uh, performers, which is like very interesting. But Boo. <laughs> I mean, but gay for Fleabag, but that bums me out. Not just. Female. Oh, I thought you were just booing the concept of men. <laughs> oh yeah, that's obviously that too. That's actually yeah. Um, so not just Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Sean Clifford, and uh, Olivia Coleman, who are regular cast members, but Kristen Scott Thomas in the guest role. She had a very cool guest role, cool monologue, and. Fiona, Fiona Shaw. Shaw, who is literally in one scene where she, where Fleabag goes to get therapy and it's like two minutes long because she's not good at it. And Fiona Shaw says it's possible to fuck God and that's it. She got an Emmy nomination <laughs> for it. <laughs> and she got nominated for Killing Eve too, right? Uh, she did, yeah. Good year. In the supporting role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, which may, is a much bigger part. Which is a much bigger, yeah, yeah, a much bigger part, yeah. And then another show that just had like a huge spread of nominations is Barry, which, you know, a show that I love, but I'm still sort of like reeling from the fact that Anthony Kerrigan, who is NoHo Hank, Stephen oh, so Root, good. who's Fuchs, and like Henry Winkler, who already had like made, you know, never had an Emmy nomination and now uh, won last year and now has a second one. And Sarah um, Goldberg. And even Sarah Goldberg, right. Like, it's just amazing how many minor performers, which really leads me to feel that like a lot of voters were not watching that many shows. They were watching maybe a handful of shows and the biggest overlap is where the nominations hit. Mm, so they definitely watch When They See Us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll see. And how much they watch Fosse Verdon on top of that. It's like they picked one in each to, to obsess over. I think you're right. Yeah. And there's also the the kind of stalwarts that are still there year after year, even though it seems like their moment has kind of passed. Like, I was kind of surprised to see Viola Davis sneak in for uh, actress in a drama when I feel like nobody's mentioned How to Get Away with Murder since she won, which was years ago. But my take is that that's her widow's nomination. <laughs> so. I mean... <laughs> If Melissa McCarthy can win an Emmy for Bridesmaids, then Violet Davis can win an Emmy for Widows. So nobody saw Widows, but everyone who did is in the Emmys Academy. Matthew Correct. McConaughey won an Oscar for True Detective. So it all, it all kind of cycles through. Yeah. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. Do you ever see a new face or name on your news feeds and say, who the heck is that? Our podcast, Who Weekly, is everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Think of us as your cheat code to People Magazine, your glossary for Hollywood, a shortcut to understanding pop culture at large. For the past eight years, Who Weekly has been telling listeners everything they need to know about the celebrities they don't. The New Yorker says we spelunk deep into the demimonde with convivial delight. That's a direct quote. Mostly, we're going to explain to you Irish star Barry Keoghan's sudden rise to fame and relationship with a not-so-under-the-radar pop princess named Sabrina. The fake wedding Real Housewives star Cynthia Bailey had to promote a limo rental company. And why all the Gen Zers you know are talking about a guy named Benson Boone. Each episode goes deep into the biggest celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we answer the most burning celebrity queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Wondry's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip-syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. 
With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segeith, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, ad-free right now on Wondery+. Plus. Is this where I get to talk about my favorite rule, which is the hanging episode rule? Oh, yeah. The, for the, yes. For, for eligibility. Tale. Like, there's a lot of confusion this morning in terms of, like, shows are have to air within an eligibility window in order to be considered for series-wide nominations. But you can still get episode-specific nominations if you sneak in uh, with a hanging episode rule, which means if you had enough episodes airing in the new eligibility window, um, you can sneak something in. And I think that's how Handmaid's Tale, right, got, got mm-hmm. a nomination in, nomination or two in um, because of that. But Elizabeth Moss is ineligible because the bulk of Hands Maid's Tale did not air in the eligibility window. So, so weird. So it'll have kind you know, of another crack next year, right? Is, like, right. Yeah, Elizabeth Moss like, and, and Hands Maid's Tale could be nominated. Season three will be eligible right. next year. Right, right, right. Right, but it's just like, it's so confusing because like, uh, this this makes the other thing that I always find so confusing about the Emmys is like when a show's first season is kind of nominated sometimes for a second season, if the second season is airing in the Emmy nomination window, you know what I mean? It's like, and viewer and voters are thinking about the uh, the season that's currently airing when they cast their vote for the first season. It's all very like muddy. It's It all feels muddier than the Oscars do. And I think that's because they don't, hook it around a calendar year not as muddy as the grammys Mm. sure (laughs) (laughs) i don't understand the grammys at all (laughs) is that how laverne cox got nominated too was orange is the new black not eligible except for guest categories or is orange is the new black just irrelevant i think it's more that the last season of orange is the new black was irrelevant than i mean i i think that maybe netflix is kind of keeping its powder dry for that show's last season which is about to premiere in a week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe they were just kind of putting more effort behind, you know, the When They See Us, um, even Ozark. Ozark. Yeah. Ozark. Yeah. It's interesting because Netflix is really missing its like big power players, right? It's missing The Crown. Uh, it's missing um, like a good season of Origins of the New Black. And House of Cards is like in disgrace, right? And so it didn't have like its usual Emmy Emmy power players in, in those categories. And so it really, um, IndieWire did this great piece on like how many of its dollars it pushed behind Ozark. And it's 45.5% of its like marketing Whoa. distribution went to Ozark. Oh my God. Um, um, yeah. Wow. So, uh, and then bodyguard thirty six percent. And this, sorry, that's just for drama. But like, still, that's like so much. Um, and then like Narcos, little tiny bit. House of Cards, little tiny bit. But they were like, okay, we're gonna do the Ozark push because Jason Bateman got some nominations last year. So they're like, we can push it uh, to get it into the main category, which they did. Ozark got nominated. Bodyguard got nominated. But it was funny because I was like, I was seeing Ozark at the top of all these like Gold Derby prediction lists, and I was like, why? Because nobody talks about that show. Why? And then uh, and then I read up about how many how many dollars. Like apparently, probably if I lived in LA, I wouldn't be why. I'd be like, sure. I see I've that billboard every quarter. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah. Uh, well, you mentioned Bodyguard, which maybe is a good time to talk about some snubs because uh, Joanna, we had talked last week about how you were really uh, pushing Richard Madden not just for a nomination for Bodyguard but for a win, and it got a the win. series nomination, but he didn't get nominated. How did that happen? How embarrassing for me. Uh, I mean, no, it's all about <laughs> me, right? Um, 
no, I, I, I don't know. It's, it seems like uh, Sonia and I were talking about this a little bit uh, this morning. It just, it, it does. It feels like a choice. I think is what Sonia said. Mm. It's like, and, and it's weird to me because like I do think I think that should be flipped. I think Richard Madden is great in that series, and I think that series is spotty at best. And so I'm just like shocked for it to get a series nomination and not a nomination for Madden, who like holds it all together. Like it's got, it starts really strong, and then it really falls apart halfway through. And so. It just, it seems like a real miscarriage of justice for, like, I would prefer a blanket snub to this particular combination of nominations, So That's very interesting. I was surprised that uh, Homecoming, the Amazon series, didn't get nominations, um, especially not for Julia Roberts, because, you know, it doesn't feel like that long ago whenever that, when a giant celebrity made a TV show, it was a big deal. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh my God, can you believe? It doesn't feel like, you know, they're stooping to do TV, but it still feels like a surprise. Um, And yeah, Homecoming wasn't particularly buzzy. I think that maybe it kind of had a brief moment and then sort of receded into the general scrum of peak TV. But still, you know, when Julia Roberts can't get an Emmy nomination, that just shows how competitive the market is and just how many shows there are. Yeah, it is interesting because Fleabag uh, kind of launched Amazon to a good year, you know, with Maisel and Fleabag. They've kind of, they've got two back to back. Yeah, uh, all the Maisel nominations. It got the most nominations after Game of Thrones, um, which I guess just shows, Sonia, that you and I are, <laughs> what, the only people who didn't like season two? This is surprising to me. Uh, I don't understand what they see. In it. But this really does go back to this whole thing about they're, now they're locked in, they're watching the show, and then it's like there's just so much more room to give them some... Uh, leeway, I guess, with mm-hmm. quality, with talent, with style. It still looks beautiful. I'll give them yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's... and they also like nominate. Like, I don't think Luke Kirby got a nomination for the first season, but he plays Lenny Bruce and is really great. Like, it, it gives room for the deep bench of people who are on that show. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's for true. Sure. It's yeah. not just Rachel Brosnahan and Alex Borstein. And actually, speaking yeah. of House of Cards, uh, Robin Wright and Michael Kelly both yeah. got nominated, which again I think indicates that like even when these shows are like disgraced or ending or canceled or whatever, when people are locked in, when when voters are locked in, they're still watching these shows they care about. Yeah, I think they were, I think that was kind of like a. I was somewhat expecting Robin Wright to get a nomination as a sort of like. Good job, you for soldiering. On. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like there the Rami like Malek Bohemian Rhapsody thing. Like you survived yeah. the bad man yeah. nomination. <laughs> you got rid of the bad man and you carried on. You too, Michael Kelly. You did it. I don't know. Um, the, the I did want to talk about something that that Mike in Mike's absence. I want to talk about something that Mike loves to talk about, which is the like double triple threats or whatever that get nominated. Mm-hmm. So Jason Bateman getting nominated for acting and directing. Natasha Leon getting nominated for acting and writing for Russian Doll. Phoebe Waller Bridge acting and writing Fleabag, Bill Hader, directing, writing, and acting, Barry. Um, and these these triple-double threats are the people that Mike likes to say often win. Like, it's why you see, like, sort of like a Donald Glover or something, like, you know, like a that, – that when someone has so many talents, brimming over with so many talents, that the Television Academy often likes to award them with a win. But uh, do we think in that actress category, in the comedy series actress category, does anyone have an actual shot against Julia Louis-Dreyfus? Or is this just like sort of the victory lap for Julia and Veep? I think that the moon would have to crash (laughs) into the sun (laughs) before anybody won that Emmy besides Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah, it's really hard to imagine. Especially because she didn't win last year. Like, Rachel Brosnahan got her year to to try it, so it doesn't feel as exhausting as it might have if it were just a nonstop streak. 
Yeah. Like, it's not just the Veep is great. It's not just that Julia Louis-Dreyfus is great. It's that it was its last season. It's that she had cancer. It's like, yeah, there the, are, personal. The, the narrative is all yeah. there. Like, yeah. Yeah. The lineup of actresses who are nominated, like, it's such an amazing group of people. Like, it is just exciting to think about them all in one place. And, like, Natasha Leone talking to Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Mm-hmm. Talking to Catherine O'Hara. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Catherine O'Hara getting nominated. But, I mean, Hillary, you mentioned Shit's Creek at the top. But, like, we talked a little bit about it last week as a show that kind of got bumped by Netflix, having aired on Pop for a while. Um, but just seeing how much the Emmys really jumped on board with Shit's Creek was so exciting. And seeing like three, like if you look down the, you know, the Television Academy sends out this little spreadsheet, which is what I'm currently looking at, which has like, you know, the network, blah, blah, just to see pop TV in there <laughs> makes me really excited for some reason. It's incredible. <laughs> Though, I mean, like I, I'm, I'm a, like, it seems ungrateful to be like three nominees for Shit's Creek, but they missed Dan Levy. But like, I don't know. It seems, it seems sad to not have Dan Levy nominated. This was like me and Andrew Scott. Like, you know, you gave us so much, but couldn't you have just given us one more thing? Also Andrew Scott. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was really, I mean, and, and Katie, we were talking about this on Twitter, but I was kind of shocked just looking at the grid of pictures to realize that all of the comedy actresses were all white women. I think that Felicia Rashad was nominated for something and that was like the only performance, the only performer I could see that was a person of color. And then like Sandra Oh was nominated um, in that Viola category. Davis. Oh, and Viola yeah. Davis. So that's on the drama side. But Anthony like, Anderson yeah. is uh, and Anthony, nominated for actor. And Sterling K. Brown. And, yeah. Right. But so yeah, so Anthony it's a pretty Anderson white on the comedy side and then totally just white women on the other side. That's kind of surprised me. Right, but then and then you see when they see us like coming like all, there's a lot of nominations for when they see us, which is, you know, Ava DuVernay's Netflix. It's in the limited series category, right? But that yeah. that is like bringing some non-whiteness to the board, and then also like a Billy Porter nomination, which is fucking great. Oh, I'm so so cool. excited about that. And Mahershala Ali, who was nominated, even though True Detective was not, except for Outstanding Opening Credits. Yes, my favorite <laughs> oh, category. <really? laughs> yes. So it got two nominations for Sterling K. Brown in Opening Credits. <laughs> the opening credits were so good this year. <laughs> They're so good. Really good. Good um, stuff. And also, I, I also want to shout out... Um, a category that we haven't talked about, uh, which is animation, um, oh, yeah. which Sony and I were both thrilled to see Bojack Horseman finally get nominated for Outstanding Animated Program. Yay. It's the best show on TV. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so the nominees in that category are really interesting. There are some categories where it seems like just the same things get nominated year after year after year. Um, Variety Talk Series is one of them. Now, at this point, the lineup seems pretty set. Um, and in animation, you know, it's pretty typical to see Bob's Burgers and to see The Simpsons and to see South Park, which didn't get nominated this year. Um, but there's finally a couple of new shows breaking in. Uh, Big Mouth also snuck in there, which is great. Um, and I don't know. It's it's nice to see that there are ways in which the Emmys are paying attention to newer things. Yeah. So, like, for example, also, Pen15, um, Hulu's, like, kind of middle school comedy from comedians Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle got a writing nomination, which is just, like, so exciting that it could get enough of a groundswell behind it to get a nomination. I mean, when I go into the Emmys, like, I'm never expecting, like, my super true faves to really get honored, whether that's, like, you know, Rami on Hulu or, like, High Maintenance on HBO, which are, like, I know that they're indie and they're sort of niche, but then to see Pen15 get not honored, to see Big Mouth get honored. This is like so exciting. 
And oh, in Documentary Now, the uh, the Sondheim oh episode of Documentary Now. I mean, these are like really like such successful little nuggets, little gems that uh, the Emmys are Kondo. finding. Marie oh, Kondo. Oh, that's why. Yeah, I, I, for reality I show. I think host. last week I talked about how I wanted Marie Kondo to have more Emmy buzz, and she did. I just didn't know it. I just, uh, and she, and she's nominated op- in a category that also includes RuPaul and then Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman as a team. Like, what a dream <laughs> group of people. Getting those people in a room. I want. I know. I want. I want Marie Kondo to come to the Emmys and do her bow, you know, do like how she bows to the house. I want her to do it. And then I want her to clean house. Yeah. She's going to like touch Jason Bateman and say, you don't bring me joy. Yeah, I love that. Also, in reality, I was really excited that Nailed It made it into the competition lineup. I believe that's the first uh, streaming reality series to make it into the category. Um, though I really wish Nicole Byer had also gotten a host nomination. since she, she has brought me more joy on television than I think anything else this year. And RuPaul's Drag Race got 14 nominations throughout the reality categories. Yeah, which that's, is that's the reality just, juggernaut now. That's just incredible. I, the, the, the fact that that show turned into the unlikely nominee into like an awards juggernaut is like amazing. <laughs> I'm Chris Murphy. I'm Richard Lawson. And I'm Hilary Busis. We are from Vanity Fair's Still Watching Podcast. Next up, we're watching the new HBO show, The Regime. Madam Chancellor, let's keep the gloves on. This is not a confrontation. We're just saying what's true. Academy Award winner Kate Winslet is our chancellor as she leads a faux European autocracy in turmoil. We'll be watching week by week as the regime unravels. And we'll be talking to the stars along the way. New episodes of Still Watching will drop every Sunday after the regime airs. Um, and then when we were talking about it last week, I was really worried that uh, Sharp Objects was going to get completely overlooked uh, because it's, it has been sort of muted reception. Um, like it's been getting some nominations, but not like the high accolades that I really wanted it to. But it, both Amy Adams and Patricia Clarkson got in there, got eight nominations. So the Television Academy has not forgotten about Sharp Objects. And like that Amy Adams performance, um, I'm I gonna, just. I'm going to personally start screaming at Academy voters <laughs> until they vote for her. That's my exactly. New exactly. It's such a good performance, and it's. I mean, why do you look, guys hate uh, Vanity Fair cover star Patricia Arquette? I do not hate Patricia Arquette. That's the problem. I really like Patricia Arquette too. I just felt like Amy Adams' performance in Sharp Objects just like really like like rattled me and got under my skin. And I I just feel like that show uh, that series that limited series rather did so many interesting things that kind of got forgotten about. It's really been ignored Absolutely. by the Academy. Yeah, and I mean. Patricia Cat has like a pile of awards. She does have a pile. And, and Amy Adams True. famously does She has a pile it. of like, nominations. I mean, just yeah. for Amy Adams. Yes. Yeah. Mar- Mar- Marie Kondo could like come in and tell Patricia Cat how to like t- like tidy up her awards. And then I, she would look at Amy Adams' empty shelf and be like, this is sad. You need an award. I mean, this I is really love joy. how much fan fiction the awards is already setting us up for because we have Catherine O'Hara. We have Marie Kondo. Like we can just start to like really build narratives in our minds. That's what television is for. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about Schitt's Creek's most exciting uh, nomination, which is contemporary costume. Oh, oh my God. God. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So I'm really hoping oh, what a good Moira idea. Rose's uh, wardrobe gets gets the win for I that. I mean, if I Catherine really O'Hara so. showed up to the Emmys in character, I think <laughs> we would all spontaneously combust. It would be so amazing. And then awesome. she could do a performance from Cabaret. Oh, God, oh I my wish. God. Oh. 
I'm so happy that we've decided to just fully lean into writing fan fiction. <laughs> Do you guys want to start leaning toward uh, potential winners? Like, obviously, we're going to spend a while talking about a lot of these. But does anything about the, the nominations tally? Tell us anything about who we think is going to win, other than, I guess, that uh, Game of Thrones and Veep, as expected, are still massive contenders. Well, something that we actually haven't talked about yet, um, but that, going back to Amy Adams and Patricia Arquette, is the leading actress in a limited series or TV movie category is really brutal because Michelle Williams is so good in Fosse Mm, Burden. She's really good. And, like, I would be so thrilled for any of those three women to win, but, like... I mean, this is also just because, you know, it's about musical theater and that's a topic that I care about maybe more than escaping from prisons and self-harm. But I, Fosse Burton is so good and Michelle Williams is amazing in it. She just does this amazing transformation as Gwen Burton. I don't know. The show got a lot of nominations, but it still feels like it doesn't have quite the same momentum behind it that I think you might need in order to actually get those nominations to translate into wins, but I pulling think, from Michelle Williams. I think Chernobyl stole Fosse Verdon's it momentum. Because I don't yeah. think anyone was really expecting that series to do as well as it did. And it got 19 nominations, which is so crazy when you think about the fact that it is like led by like old suffering from radiation Soviet men who are like suffering through a hellish landscape. Like it's kind of amazing. I mean, that I guess they that speaks to our time. We'd rather watch bleak, like <laughs> right. Russian suffering. Or when they see us, which is one of the harder things yeah. to watch. I mean, it's so it's like so necessary, but I had to start and stop the first episode 15 times right. before I finished it. And it's just really interesting to see those two up against Escape at Danamora, Sharp Objects, Fosse Verdon, which feel a little bit more like prestige awards bait types of programs. It's a very, it's a really interesting time, uh, guys. Who who would you guys, like, what would you guys say would win for limited series at this point? Because I'm like seeing that, because I thought when they see us had the strongest showing because it had all those acting nominations, but mm. Chernobyl had the highest tally. But it, it makes it hard for me to think of who would be the favorite in that lineup. Yeah, I feel like Jared Harris wins actor maybe and when they see us win series yeah i think when they see us has to win series that's how i feel too i mean i think it's such a just because it's the relevance of it is very hard to because even chernobyl which also has relevance is not as relevant as when they see yeah and especially with politics i mean who knows where we're going to be politically in september but i can see politics uh and and Trump stuff yeah (laughs) making people want to vote for when they see us not just on the merits of the series but as a kind of like rebuke of the Trump administration you're Mm. saying he's not going away before September I'm disappointed (laughs) to hear you say that and I feel like there, you know, there were real world consequences from when they see us. And I think that like yes, the television academy exactly. likes to say, like, look, behold the power of TV. <laughs> there were we real world consequences world, uh, you know? of all those influencers going to Chernobyl, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> taking selfies. <laughs> Um, the the one thing we should consider, like even with all these Game of Thrones nominations, the fact that eleven of those nominations are in acting categories means that they could easily cancel each other out. Right. You know, so it'll be you know, there's three supporting actor nominations and three supporting four supporting actress nominations, which is crazy. So like you know, hey, Fiona Shaw for Killing Eve might get in there because all the Game of Thrones actresses cancel each other out or something like that. So. I don't know. Uh, maybe too many nominations is a is a problem sometimes. I mean, it's hard to imagine they wouldn't split the vote in those very full categories. Yeah, I mean, or it's just everybody is like, ah, oh, well, Peter Dinklage, why not? Right. Yeah. 
Poor Alfie Allen. <laughs> but like if it's Peter Dinklage again, it's like, why? I know he was very good this season. He's but it's really like, he good has, But he has many, you know, yeah. it's fine. Condo those Emmys, Peter Dinklage. <laughs> give, it to, give it to Nikolai or Alfie. And like, uh, you know, I, uh, Lena Headey, if Lena Headey wins, which she hasn't ever won for Game of Thrones, if she wins, um, it will certainly be like a series long sort of award, I mean, yeah, she, she really deserves very much it. earns. Yeah. I For was, the series. Joanna, you'll have more insight on this because I was kind of disappointed, not necessarily that Amelia Clark and Kit Harington were nominated, but that they were nominated in lead. Like I understand why sort of conceptually, but I sort of felt like I always feel like the, the who's who's a lead performer and who's a supporting performer on Game of Thrones is like way more complicated than. Well, yeah. So they submitted in lead last year and got snubbed. They mm-hmm. both didn't make it in uh, when they submitted in lead last year. And so I was expecting them to like tuck tail and go like bop back down to the supporting. But they're like, nope, let's do it again. But I think I, I would agree that the way that this season was framed it really was a John and Daenerys season. So like this season more than last season when they tried it, I'd be like, yeah, they're the, they're the leads of this end game of mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But neither of them is going to win. I mean, I don't know. Amelia Clark did so much with so little. She did. I, like I would, I might, I might be tempted to vote for her given everything that she had to like try to make make sense. I'd so. love it if she won and just got there and was like, okay, here's how I really felt about everything that happened <laughs> in this final season. Uh, that would be beautiful. Um, yeah, lead actress in a drama is tough. It's Amelia Clark, Jodie Comer, Viola Davis, Laura Linney, Mandy Moore, Sandra Oh, and Robin Wright. Man, the fact that Sandra Owen and Jodie Comer are going up against each other is another really interesting yeah. thing. I mean, and I, I'm like very excited for both of them. I think they're both fantastic performers, but it's, I mean, it's impossible. It, it's very difficult to imagine that they would not split the vote against each other. Although doesn't Sandra Oh have the benefit of being the more famous one and having been on television for longer? And like she got the nomination last year, she didn't win. I feel like if I wanted to reward Killing Eve, I would easily go for her. But I know I think in the second season it became more of a two-hander, right? It's funny because I would give it to Jodie Comer because Sandra Oh <laughs> got nominated the first season and got the Globe, you know. So it's like, okay, we've we've acknowledged Sandra Oh, but Jodie Comer is just so incredible on that show. I wonder so, if there will be know. like a more a bigger groundswell of support for Sandra Oh, though, just like because she didn't win yet last year, but her nomination was such a big deal and was so meaningful to so many people. And I don't know if that might put more fire behind her this year. Absolutely. I mean, it could very well could. Um, There's so many factors at play. And like, I I think the narrative of in the lead actor category, the narrative of like, is this finally Bob Odenkirk's year after having been nominated so many times? Man, I hope so. Uh, It would be really fun if that were the case. So, I mean, like I learned my lesson last year because like everyone was like, okay, it's finally Matthew Reese's year. And I was like, nah, they're never going to do it. They're just never going to do it. And then they did. And I was like, okay, I can get on board the it's finally so-and-so's year narrative. Absolutely. Why not? Academy's turned really receptive to us haven't they like I feel <laughs> like, like the like the fact that Schitt's Creek and Fleabag got as much attention as they did I do feel like it's an it, we're really seeing a more open academy I yeah. think they're innovative mm-hmm. yeah if it's uh if it's uh the finally his year narrative I would also like to put in a plug for Jonathan Banks and supporting actor oh. because oh. he's been doing such great work for so long Mike, what does the man have to do and I have to I, say in no. this season his arc was devastating if you guys saw so, Better Call Saul there so was good. like Germans and he had to kill one of the Germans and it was just you knew it was going to happen the whole time and it was still so heartrending. he's amazing 
So yeah, if the Game of Thrones guys uh, cancel themselves out, maybe then it will leave room for Jonathan Banks finally. Yeah, I think Peter. I think the year that I always harp on that Peter Dinklage won that I don't think he should have won is the year I really wanted Jonathan Banks to win. Oh, <laughs> so that's that's the why year you got so mad about it. Is the year he gave his speech about his son, and I was like, oh no, oh, no. I can't even Mike hear about Trout it. Win, yeah. And then Peter Dinklage won, and I'm like, you got one already, bud. What are you doing here? Anyway, um, I want to call attention to one like hilarious category, which is. Um, outstanding variety special pre-recorded um, and the nominees are Hannah Gadsby's Nanette Homecoming, a film by Beyonce Springsteen on Broadway uh, Wanda Sykes, her special Not Normal and last but not least Carpool Karaoke, When Corden Met McCartney Live from Liverpool <laughs> Right, that special everybody knows. (laughs) It just, I think the reason I like it so much is I feel like it also just, like, Nanette is such a, like, it's like this weird stand-up special that's, like, also kind of performance art and also kind of anti-comedy. And then there's Homecoming, like, Baychella, literally Baychella. Then there's Springsteen on Broadway. Like, like the, I mean, Bruce, and then Carpool Karaoke and Wanda Sykes just rounding it out. There's a lot there. There's a lot in competition with each other. TV's weird. There's also like I just want to note because I think it's so weird that one of Game of Thrones 32 nominations is for a VR experience that they created <laughs> where you get to fight zombies. So, you know, oh, the wow. Emmys. <laughs> oh, and like jo- I think Jonathan Banks is also nominated for like a Better Call Saul web series. Yeah. Uh, Better Call Saul employee training is nominated. Hack into Broad-, Broad City. Yeah. Yes, that was it. Employee training. And I was just like, I didn't even know he did this extra thing on the side. But it's totally it's totally the Emmys. I believe that RuPaul's Drag Race is nominated for like the show itself and then also for Untucked, which is like its discussion show that always seemed like part of the actual show to me. But I guess they're different enough that they can both be nominated for Emmys. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. <laughs> Abby and Alana also got acting nominations for short form comedy or drama series because it's a... Uh... It's a strange world out there. Uh, also, Rent Live is nominated opposite the Oscars and um, and the Norman Lear special. Rent Live has like Rent Live has like six nominations. But my question is: Is it for the dress rehearsal which aired, or for the? Oh my God. No, I'm just kidding. It's obviously for what aired, but. Um, what a weird night that was at theater. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, Rent Live gets nominated for Most Broken Leg. Like, how did yeah. they even get... It's such a weird... That's the weirdest category, because it's just showing up guarantees you a nomination. Like, the Oscars didn't have a host. A nomination! Yeah, like. I, I wish that I could defend Rent Live's inclusion <laughs> um, as, a, as a long-time Rent person, but no, that was... That should not be there. It was a special moment in time. Well, remember Jesus Christ Superstar Live got a bunch of acting nominations, too, so it could be even more present. But that was great. The difference is that Jesus Christ Superstar actually was live. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that's true, and had uh, John Legend. And had good performances. (laughs) And did not Uh, have Valentina not jumping on a table. (laughs) Not to get too far into Rent Live. (laughs) Do you guys want to close it out by just picking some personal favorites? Like, we'll have lots of time to sum for who we want. But uh, as of today, who showed up on the list that you're going to say, all right, it will make my heart leap if you manage to to win for this? 
Wait, let I don't me- know if you know the, about this about me, Katie, but I'm a big fan of Alfie Allen's work on Game of Thrones. I've never so. heard you discuss this before. It's <laughs> the first time I'm saying it. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to like from now on until uh, September 22nd, I'm just going to like be writing Alfie Allen's name over and over again in like my dream journal. So there you go. Yeah, the ME voters read that, I think. So I, be- <laughs> I send a copy to them once a month when I start a fresh one. Uh, I'm picking my personal like uh, cheering section for Maya Rudolph as the judge in The Good Place, who's uh, nominated in the guest actress in the comedy series opposite Fiona Shaw and Kristen Scott Thomas for Fleabag, Sandra Oh and Emma Thompson for hosting SNL, and then Jane Lynch on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, it's kind of a murderer's row. I have no idea what Maya Rudolph's odds would be, but I love her on The Good Place so much. Yeah, I'm going to put in a vote for The Good Place itself, uh, which got into the comedy series category. Um, it's the best. It's certainly the best comedy on network television, uh, one of the best comedies on TV, period. Um, and also, I will plug Ted Danson uh, for lead actor in a comedy because he's so great. The comedy lineup is so good. Comedies right now are so much better than dramas. I'm just going to say it. Mm, mm. Um, I would say that I'm very excited for BoJack Horseman to be nominated, and I hope that it, I don't know if I, I I don't actually know the stakes of the best animated uh, category race this year, but I, well, they're at the Creative Arts Emmys, so the stakes are not that high. I guess they're probably not that high, but if they could win, I would love that. I'm also just really excited for Catherine O'Hara to be nominated to return to this continuing Catherine O'Hara at the Emmys thing. But I just think that it's amazing. I would love it if she, I mean, she's not actually going to win, but I would love, I'm just really happy she's there. I'm also really excited that Stephen Root was nominated uh, for Barry because it's his first um, acting award ever. I'm sorry if I already said this before. Wow, really? It's his first. News Radio Stephen Root's first acting award. It is his first Emmy nomination, which is insane. It's the same way that Henry Winkler's first Emmy nomination. Right. It's like, it's interesting that this is like Bill Hader's wheelhouse is like finding these (laughs) underserved (laughs) actors. Mm -hmm. And yet also like, oh my God, Stephen Root totally deserves an Emmy. Like, this is amazing. Who would I'm you so pick, it, him or NoHo Hank? Ugh, I, mm. Anthony, <laughs> Kerrigan, <laughs> Anthony Kerrigan is so good. He's, like, he's really so good. So good. good. He's I, I, the, the his weird. It's so weird what he's doing, and it's so so good. I don't know. It's hard because also like Barry requires its actors to be funny and then also to be quite serious, and I think that Anthony Kerrigan makes me laugh the most. But Stephen Root like sends fear down my spine in that show. Um, so those are both good performances, but I don't know exactly which is which. Well, they'll all lose to Tony Hale, so. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, <laughs> which do you to pick to lose the least to Tony Hale? <laughs> I don't know. The Kaminsky method keeps surprising us, so who knows what Alan Arkin might do in that lineup, too. It, the Emmys are not the Globes, though, so. Yeah, thank you. Hopefully yeah. we can just keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, we do keep having to remind ourselves of that, because I do think the Globes take up a lot of uh, mental real estate on these things for some reason. Um, I was really surprised and happy that Margaret Qualley was nominated for Fosse Verdon. I just yeah. I just spotted that, and I just wanted to say something about that. She was great on The Leftovers, um, and she was really good as Anne Ranking in Ranking. Am I saying that Ranking, right? Ranking, yeah. Anne, Ra- Anne Ranking yeah. in uh, in Fosse Verdon, and I just uh, we're going to be seeing more of her because she's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, so it's kind of cool that she's uh, she's getting her moment. I was thinking that Fosse Verdon didn't have as many acting nominations as it should, but then I couldn't figure out like, I mean. You've got like Norbert Leo Butz as Patty Shayevsky. Like, I don't know. Is there anyone, any like major snubs there? Or did I just want more for Fussy Bird and like Hillary? Uh, well, Lin, Lin-Manuel Miranda didn't make it in for his <laughs> one minute cameo as Roy Scheider, uh, which I am shocked by considering the uh, various awards giving bodies propensity for awarding Lin-Manuel Miranda for showing up. 
I think he's already got an Emmy, though, so he's on he's on his way to an EGOT regardless. I think all that's missing is the O. Wow. Um, I thought that Bandersnatch getting nominated was interesting. I don't know if we want to talk about that, but it's interactive. I mean, has that happened before? Have we nominated an interactive game-ish thing into a TV movie category before? I don't think we have. It's interesting that Netflix had the money to put behind it to kind of maybe overcome any concerns anybody had about it. I don't know that the TV movie category was super competitive this year, if indicated by My Dinner with Hervé, a movie I completely forgot existed getting in there. (laughs) Um, So maybe it was like something that people had heard of and Mm. they were kind of willing to overlook any like weird structural stuff. It at least makes more sense there than previous Black Mirror episodes somehow (laughs) getting nominated as TV movies, which when they were episodes of a TV show. It's true. Bandersnatch at least does stand alone. However, it also has several branching endings and not really a plot. So I don't know. It's hard to say, right? It's kind of interesting. I feel like it's the Academy going (laughs) postmodern. All right, well, we will be talking about the Emmys plenty between now and uh, mid-September when the Emmy Awards are handed out. And um, Sonia and Hillary, thank you for, for joining us to help sort through all this. I feel like there's so many things we didn't even get to talk about, which I guess is what the next few weeks are for. In the meantime, you can find all of us writing about the Emmy nominations at VanityFair.com. And you can find Little Gold Men on Twitter at Little Gold Men. And on our own, I'm at Katie Rich, Joanna. Joe wrote this. And Sonia. Sonia Soraya. And Hillary. Hillabuster with two R's. (laughs) This week's episode was edited and produced by Brett Fuchs. And this week's award for the most hyperbole goes to Hillary Buses. The moon would have to crash (laughs) into the sun before anybody won that Emmy besides Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. What are you guys excited to cover in the next few months? There's a new uh, translation of The Iliad that's coming out, Emily Wilson. Really excited to see whether I can read The Iliad again, whether I'm that literate. I mean, the jury is out. I can't wait to hear Adam Driver go again in an Italian accent in Michael Mann's Ferrari. (laughs) He can't stop. I mean, and and bless him. I can't wait. Molto bene. Molto bene. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today wherever you get podcasts. You really don't want to miss this. Don't. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. See you soon. (laughs) 